Welcome to the Unbreakable Woman podcast, where you will hear faith-based conversations with unbreakable women on health, parenting, relationships, business, and much more. We hope that you will grab a cup of coffee, tea, or whatever your drink of choice is, relax, and enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unbreakable Woman podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Mae Dobbins, and with me is Megan Musharbush. Megan, do I say your last name right? <laughs> I've known you now for several years, and I don't ever know if I'm saying your last name correctly. That's okay. No, no one says my last name right. <laughs> don't worry about it. Say it for us, Megan. Yeah, we can blame my husband for that. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Say your last name. Oh, so the way you're supposed to say it, I suppose, and he would be an expert because he's Arabic, so he knows how to roll the R properly, but it's Masharbash. Obviously, not that much of a roll, but... And if you don't want to say it the fancy way, you just say Masharbash. I love... I love your last name. I really do. Like, every time... I have my own way of saying it. I'm not going to say it on here, but I just did. But um, mm. it's funny because uh, when I am calling you on Siri, I say, hey, Siri, call Megan and I add your last, last name. And Siri has her own way of saying it as well. So I think oh, so awesome. Siri says, <laughs> Siri says, Mushabash. Mushabash. It's so funny. Oh, my gosh. But it's such a beautiful name. I just I, I really do love that last name. I think it's such an awesome name. And um, so we don't usually introduce ourselves with our last names, but I just decided to do it today for some funny reason. I don't know why. But welcome, everyone. Um, this is our uh, I want to say this is what our seventh episode. Is that I think, right? I think this might be our eighth. Our eighth episode. Okay. So I am proud of us because of Megan is very busy. She is not only a mom, but she is a, a businesswoman and she um, has two little ones at home and a wife and all of the things that she's got going on. And I have, you know, lots going on as well. And so we really are passionate about this podcast and um, we know that God put it on our hearts to do this. And so when we are able to get together and, and record, it's always an exciting evening. We usually uh, record this in the evenings, but it's usually very exciting and it gets us amped and going no matter how long the day has felt mm. when it's time to record. I feel like we kind of just get re-energized. Do you feel that way? I really feel that way. I really feel that way. Like I was saying to you a minute ago on the phone, you know, of the discouragement of this evening but as soon as it, you know we got talking I get excited about this I love doing this podcast with you and you know speak for yourself because you're like when I talk to you you're doing probably 10 times what I'm doing and I'm like I don't know how she does it so the fact <laughs> that you make the time to um, do this podcast is is really amazing and it, like I always say very inspirational too so yeah I mean, yeah, we love it. <clears throat> Today's episode is going to be awesome. Yes, it is. Today we're going to be talking about health and healing. Megan has a wealth of knowledge around this. I only have a little bit. I know, I know enough to be dangerous, but at the same time, there's so much more that I, I want to get into and read more about. And um, I'm always reading different things and um, and I'm always learning, but I really one day want to be able to just like really dive in more. So Megan's going to share a lot of great stuff with us. But before we get into it, Megan, I'm mm. going to ask you our weekly, well, however often times we do our well, we try podcast. Do yeah. um, what has tried to break you this last week? Yeah, and we have to remember the day because we usually record on a Monday, but today is Wednesday, but it feels like a Tuesday because we have yep. day, so we are like all throwing up right now. But something yeah. that's trying to break me this week, I would probably say today, as I was telling you earlier, my husband and I got into a, a little disagreement when he came home. He was basically just hangry and didn't handle the situation well because um, his steak that was on the side that I was going to make for him was not cooked yet and they just Aww. got back from the gym and he was very hungry and yeah. I just done all the grocery shopping just finished the boys dinner and he had Noah with him he took him to the gym after school and so I had literally just sat down to feed Asher and then they came home so he was a little bit grumpy let's just say about that <laughs> so we had a mild 
uh, disagreement, which I felt a little bit hurt. And so, um, and then I forgot, of course, that we were recording. So then I got your message and I was like feeling really discouraged because of the way I was feeling. But luckily, you know, well, not luckily, but, you know, the Lord came in and I prayed and Artif, you know, he came and apologized to me, which was very sweet of him. And um, then I just felt this lift off. And I was like, no, I know this, we're supposed to do it tonight. So um, I went and uh, grabbed some of my resources to get a refresh on the things I wanted to talk about. And yeah, I was like, the enemy, you are not winning today. Mm -mm. Amen. I love that. Um, Yeah, I can understand. You know, he probably came in thinking his dinner was ready. He had that expectation. And so. (laughs) Oh, all those expectations. All those expectations. (laughs) yeah yeah well I'm glad you all worked it out thank you what about you what's something that tried to break you this week um well I had several things I think as usual but you know God's good and faithful and um I feel like I say that every week but he is uh (laughs) (laughs) um but I I think one of the things that I that tried to break me this week was just discouragement you know just really feeling discouraged about a few few things um you know I was just saying expectations right you have some expectations sometimes and when those expectations um don't look the way that you expected them to then it just really can be very discouraging and so I've really had to battle discouragement over the last week probably last couple weeks um just you know just just feeling this you know, this deep discouragement really. And, um, and, you know, and I'm still fighting it, honestly, I'm just going to be very real. It's not Mm -hmm. like something that I've, I've given it to the Lord and I continue to pray about it and I'm fighting the discouragement, but it's still there, you know? And so that's just the realness of the situation is that sometimes, you know, um, it, it doesn't just go away, you know, you can pray and I am praying through it and I am, reading scripture and I'm doing all of the things that I'm supposed to do, but I'm also, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still feeling the things. I do know that, um, God will help me through it. I know that God will, um, he will, he'll see me through, you know, I, I believe that very much so, but I'm in the thick of it right now and doesn't feel great. But, um, yeah, you know, I was praying as I was making dinner tonight and I was like, God, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why is it still lingering? And, um, and I was distracted by my children. So I didn't really hear <laughs> an answer just yet. But I'm after after we finish recording, I am going to go spend time with the Lord and continue that conversation. But yeah, you, yeah. you know, that discouragement is real. And when you're feeling it, sometimes you're feeling it. So I, um, I am going to, you're sorry, it cut out for a minute that, um, you also co-leading our marriage group. And so we know that when we're doing those types of things, we can almost expect, um, these types of, uh, mental spiritual attacks, I suppose, whenever we're doing something big or something important, they seem to come right along particularly when you're in a marriage life group. So tomorrow, you know, we have our, have our group, which you and Preston are, co- are leading. And um, we just had our first one, what, two weeks ago. So we're really starting to get into the curriculum now. And yeah, it's on. So of course, the, the devil wants to try and discourage you in any way possible. Yeah, it's a good point. Yes, we have our life group tomorrow. Um, and then we also have, have our women's conference coming up next week as well. That's right. Yeah. And so that's a big piece. So yeah, you're, you bring up a great point. So the Lord is speaking through you right now to show me exactly what's going on. I wasn't even looking at it from that perspective of, um, you know, of that battle, if you will. But yeah, I need to lean into that tonight when I spend time with God. Yeah. And look at it too. Look how big our group is. I mean, come on. What? I don't think I've ever seen a life group that big. <laughs> I'm blown away by the amount of people and kids and people coming through the door. And, oh, I was like, you're in this group? You're in this? Well, 
this is it was just amazing because when I signed up we were obviously some of the first first people and no one else had signed up yet so I was expecting it to be kind of like a small intimate group and I was just overwhelmed by the amount of couples young couples that were coming through the door so it's going to be powerful so just know that you know things are going to happen and um that's why that's what I truly truly believe that's why so I'll be praying about it tonight as well thank you I appreciate that sis yeah of course of course so we're going to talk about health and healing today and this is a passion of mine which is health and of course healing being that of you know I've been through a lot of health challenges myself I know you've been through some too and so we get to share from our experiences and what we've learned um, through our research and through our experiences, of course, what's helped us and what we've seen really make a difference. And that's kind of what I want to share. I believe that we're going to have multiple episodes about health, to be honest, because mm-hmm. there's so much. There really is so much. Today, I wanted to focus particularly on things like fungus and um, uh, acidity in the body and sugar, because these are things that are almost impossible to escape in in the world that we live in today I mean added sugar is literally in everything you have to be so conscious um about what you're eating to really avoid sugar right yeah yeah oh yeah I mean even right now I'm I've said that I'm doing I'm I'm breaking off sugar and I quit sugar which I have but the reality of the matter is that I have it because of there are certain things that just include sugar, just regular everyday, what you think are healthy stuff includes sugar, you know? And Mm -hmm. so um, I can't remember what it was, but just the other day I'm going about my, I cut sugar off routine. And then I just happened to turn, I don't remember what it was, but I looked, I looked at the label and there it was, was sugar. It was cane sugar. (laughs) But I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm trying not to do sugar. And it's in everything. It's just in everything. It it really is. And there's a big aspect to what sugar does to the body um, that I think is not talked about enough. And that's the disharmony, sorry, disharmony that it creates once it enters the body and how it really disrupts the body and what it feeds because ultimately sugar feeds disease mm-hmm. it doesn't do any anything else other than that now natural sugars are slightly different you're looking at sugars from from fruits from honey even mm-hmm. but, but still um we must limit certain types of sugars and carbohydrates to really give us only what we need and i find too when you do cut out sugar you you crave what you eat at the end of the day so if you if you're eating you know donuts every day you're going to be craving donuts every day but if you start to eat an apple every day or two apples every day you start to crave that too so a lot of it is really changing your eating habits adding a little bit of um, education in that really helps you sort of be more determined in your decisions because you're like you have now you have the knowledge you're kind of like I I know what I'm doing to myself and I I don't want to do that (laughs) No, it's so true. I mean, and with sugar, once you really start researching sugar, I remember years ago when I, um, I, I became a vegetarian, uh, I don't know, maybe like eight years. No, it had to have been like, I can't remember, seven years ago or so. And it was because of, I had a, um, uh, she was like my nutritionist. And so she was a friend of mine who was a nutritionist and a, um, a health coach and also a workout person workout coach <laughs> what do you call those people a trainer um, yeah. <laughs> yeah she was a really good friend of mine and she started to teach me about sugar and I couldn't believe the things that I was learning about sugar but sugar is as addictive as I think they say heroin is that the drug that it's as addictive as it's very yeah, addictive. So. Mm-hmm. and so um <laughs> and you're right and I, I call sugar the devil it's just the devil right and once you start on sugar because if I used to not eat sugar at all until I got married and um once you start on sugar all of a sudden you start craving it just like you said but mm-hmm. when you cut off sugar completely it's like you don't even crave it I did I did not crave dessert I did not crave chocolate I did not crave any of that mm-hmm. once you take one little taste of a little brownie or something all of a sudden you start wanting more crazy 
Yeah, yeah. And 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 look, when we're looking and we're talking about disease in the body, um, we're going to be looking at some very specific things. Now, I know you can relate to this. You went to see Dr. Porter, the naturopath doctor that um, that I was seeing. I still see him. I mean, he's my doctor. But when I was very sick and we were trying to figure out what was wrong with me, before I found out about the breast implant illness, obviously, I thought it was long COVID for a long time. And then after we tried many things, my doctor was kind of like, all right, it's got to be, you know, one of the big five, basically, you know, he's talking about heavy metals, he's talking about um, mold, you know, fungus, uh, mold in the body. Um, he was talking about Lyme's disease, Bartonella, and a couple of other ones uh, that are more autoimmune conditions. And there are ways to test that through blood, through urine, and um, I think you can do some hair samples too, but we mainly focus on the blood and the urine test. And I remember doing um, the the day of surgery, actually, because it was a short amount of time between doing those tests and finding out that it could actually be my breast implants. So when I had told him that, he said, well, yeah, this clinic was actually founded by a lady who had BII, breast implant illness. So she's very, she, she's very knowledgeable about it, and so was he. So he said that could very well be it, but I also want to rule out these things. So we tested for mold, and we tested for heavy metals. Now, when we got the results back for the mold for fungus, um, in, it was very high. It was high for things like Asparagus and one beginning with a P, can't remember the name of it. But those two are particularly found in foods. I'm going to get into that because this is something that not a lot of people know that mold illness uh, causes a lot of disharmony in the body and a lot of very strange symptoms, anything from, you know, fatigue to muscle weakness to insomnia, um, just being drained all the time, headaches, lots of very kind of varying symptoms that you could really pinpoint to anything. But then when you look at the big things you don't have, we go to um, really refine things, things like uh, brain fog. And so, and then I also had something called, um, gosh, what was the name of it? It's the black mold, stachybotrys. Mm. Um, now that's that lovely black mold that you see when you have water damage or in a cupboard or uh, and maybe under the stairs or, you know, in, in England, we're kind of more used to it because we have a lot older buildings. Obviously, we in, live in Arizona. We don't see it that much here, but it is still here, especially if there is water damage that hasn't been taken care of. So these are really important aspects to consider because mold is very dangerous and um actually i was talking with a friend the other day she just found mold in her apartment she's like is mold harmful oh. and i was like oh go <laughs> like seriously wow you don't even want to get me started on it because i wasn't aware of it when i lived in england i bought a flat before i moved here and i renovated it but it had a very bad mold problem in fact we ripped out all of the cupboards from the bedroom and all behind it was all black mold mind you we're all breathing it in and renovating and whatever and one of the walls was what's called a cold wall meaning it's an outside wall and it no matter how much we wiped it and cleaned it after we painted and redecorated and everything it would just come back and come back and come back so my mind automatically went to there because i'm thinking when on earth have I been exposed to uh, black mold since I've been in Arizona? I couldn't think of any. But because my body was not able to detox properly because of my breast implants, my detox pathways were actually blocked. And my detoxification process in my body was very slow. Add to that with the heavy metals that I also tested for and the mold, my, I mean, my chances of detoxing, were, they were really, really slowed down. And that was one of the reasons why I had so many severe symptoms. So we had to address that to figure out what that, what, where it was coming from. One, we tested the house and, um, and then two, how are we going to fix it? What are the protocols for dealing with fungus in the body? And it's quite complex when you think about it, because I had to really educate myself, not only from mold inspectors that came to the house, wow. um, you know, YouTube videos, experts, functional medicine doctors, and then, of course, Dr. Porter, mm -hmm. learning about the different ways to combat this, this and get it out of your body. Obviously, getting the implants out was, was step number one, which, you know, we did right away, obviously. And then two, okay, what comes next? And 
we have to understand first of all what fungus really is fungus is a living microorganism so it's not a plant and it's not an animal it's an organism Mm -hmm. okay and an organism has to have food so if you think about it it's fungi and people don't really think that fungi can actually exist in the body but it can and it does (laughs) and guess what fungi's favorite food is Mm, sugar sugar Mm. so let's look at a couple of things that may either have mold on them that or in foods that are that are foods that have mold on them. By the way, coffee is one of them. Sorry, mm-hmm. every coffee lover, <laughs> we've had this conversation. Yeah, but unfortunately, mold grows in coffee beans. Just mm. like that it is. There are there are brands out there. Obviously, the Isogenics is one of them that test for mycotoxins. They only come in, you know, in ground coffee because that's how they can test them. Uh, to certify certify that they don't have them. Obviously, if you have a mold or fungi problem in your body, you want to cut off the moldy food. You want to cut off the molds, uh, the fungi's food source. And you've got to find out what that is because it, it, it's, it, it's, it comes in four forms. So the only way it really can survive is by providing it with a good food supply. And I remember Dr. Porter saying to me, you need to go in an infrared sauna. This was before we got ours. He said because it hates UV light. UV mm. light literally kills it. And I was talking to Artif about this, and he was like, you know what it says in the Bible about mold? I was like, what? I said, we brought it up, and it's funny. I was actually reading this part in Leviticus the other day, is that if you find mold in your home, you're supposed to cut it out and, um, and burn it. And if it continues to grow in the house, you're supposed to burn the house down. <laughs> Really? Yes. Yeah, because there's the thing about mold is that it's very, very hard to get rid of. And just an FYI, if you ever see it, do not bleach it. Um, I, there's a certain gene, I think it's called the H, a, HRDLA or some, some gene that they can test for in your body to see if you're particularly susceptible to mold, which I am, he found um, with, through the blood tests. So if you do have that gene, you you need to really stay away from mold because it can really affect your health very badly. Uh, bre- bleach it. What what do you mean by bleach it? Like on clothes or? Okay, so um, I actually just read about in the Bible what it said about that too. If it's on your clothes, you supposed to throw them away. If it's on any fabric, you're supposed to throw it away or burn it, get rid of it because it's very very difficult to get out of fabric, and because it travels in spores. It's in the air, okay? So it, it attaches to material things. So if you have it in your home and you say you had a mold inspector come out, and they, what they do is they do swabs. They'll do Hirschmies and Ermies and things like that where they swab the air. They do air tests. They swab the counters. They look for old dust where they test it to see if it's in it. They'll take um, some swatches from the fabric, maybe from your couch, from pillows, things like that. And test it to see uh, against all the different types of fungi and see what the readings are, if they're within safe levels and, and so on. Um, and, and, and FYI, one of the reasons I got rid of all of my potting plants inside was because of the soil. The soil actually carries mold and the spores give off, put, emit that into the air. The plant itself is healthy and cleans your air but it's the soil that carries the mold and emits the spores into the air. So for me, unfortunately, being so sensitive, I had to get rid of all my house plants. Wow. So sad about that because anyone knows me, I had literally hundreds in my house everywhere because I just love them. It's probably why my readings were so high. But So foods. So looking at foods, um, we want to we – wanna, avoid certain types of foods obviously we know that it's going to grow in like fresh things that have yeast in it you know breads and there's friendly bacteria and and everything like that we need to be aware of but there's certain things that we really need to be careful with like i told you about peanuts before Mm. peanuts unfortunately are notorious for fungal infections and so um and particularly in the form of peanut butter which is really sad because it is so sad. <laughs> it's delicious. 
corn and grain those are also very vulnerable to fungal growth when they're stored um yeast and of course uh, certain animal meats um and then even cheese unfortunately we're not supposed to eat anything that has mold on it so I blue cheese was literally my favorite cheese. Mm, oh my gosh. Blue yeah. Cheese. Yeah. So good, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I grew up eating like brie and all those because my mum loved that kind of stuff. So I would, I would always eat those, those cheeses. But unfortunately, basically anything that has mold in it should be avoided, uh, highly avoided. Mushrooms are fungus. So you're technically not supposed to eat mushrooms either because that only adds to it as well. Things like brewer's yeast. Um, if you have cooked rice, it's not a good idea to keep it. Keep it in the fridge because that's highly susceptible to mold growth, growth as well. In the fridge? In the fridge. I mean, you know, wherever really. It's not, <clears throat> it's not good. Old food, basically like leftovers, things like that throw it away food food that's over two days old you're going to find mold growing in it even if it's in the fridge unfortunately just kind of the way that it is but it's dangerous now a limit like ways to kind of get rid of it like i was saying earlier um the uv so going out in the sunlight as much as possible getting an, an infrared sauna is another great way binders Binders with things like fulvic acid and humic acid are some, and zeolites are some of the most powerful things that you can take. You take a binder every day or sometimes three times a day, depending on what your protocol may be. Um, and then antifungal medication as well is your doctor may, may prescribe depending on what levels are if people test. I don't know if regular doctors test this or just functional medical doctors test for mold. I'm not. 100% sure but um, if anyone has any questions you know they can feel free to reach out to either one of us and then one of the most powerful ways which really blew my mind was herbs and one of the mold inspectors that came out to the house he said listen he said I'm not I don't I'm not a doctor he says I don't know about that stuff he'd been very sick with mold illness himself he said I just understand fungi and the way it operates and the way it grows. And he said the way that you combat it, one of the best ways to combat it is using herbs, specific types mm -hmm. of herbs, fresh herbs. And it's funny because he gave me a whole list and I went to the store and I was buying, you know, oregano and I was buying like all of these crazy herbs I've never even heard of and like just eating them and they tasted horrible. <laughs> but I was like, whatever, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Um, but yeah, so oregano oil is an essential oil, which is um, one of the most powerful ways to things like grapeseed extract, iodine, and then alkaline foods, avoiding kind of acidic foods is some of the best ways to kill the fungus. But yeah, fungus is not fun at all. And we want when we're sick, and we have a have a problem, what we want to do is get the body into a natural um, pH state to try and remove to try and remove it. So wow. that, is yeah, there, so is there a hope for someone that is dealing with fungi illness? How long does it take to get out of one's body? So I mean, I think it really depends on how vigorous your protocol is, <clears throat> you know, and how if you're one able to detox well, if you're still if you're still living in the environment and that definitely makes it more challenging. You really want to get out of the of the environment that that, that you're in or stop eating the foods, first of all, that are causing it. Right. So I think the first thing is really just becoming aware of the problem. Right. Because half of us probably don't even realize that we have it or have been exposed to it or have something that may even be slowing down our detox um, pathways, which could even be just our own health choices, you know, like our diet. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's one, one of the aspects um, that I wanted to talk about today. The other one was heavy metals. Did you know much about heavy metals? 
Oh, I know that I need to go and get tested for heavy metals. It's one of the things I haven't done yet. But Dr. Porter, who we both see, um, had shared some about about it with me. And um, but I, I don't I don't have extensive knowledge in this area. So you tell us about tell us some more about it. Yeah, I'm not an expert either. I can only share, you know, what I've been through, what I've kind of experienced with um, the, the heavy metals. But what I do know as well is that fungus, when you have fungus in your body, it breaks down heavy metals um, and actually feeds off of them. So it feeds off of human tissue in the body. <laughs> so the fungus breaks down the metals? No. So the the basically things like mercury, for example, uh, mercury is a neurotoxin. So it, break, it, it breaks it down in the soil and it feeds off of them. So what happens is they, they accumulate in the human tissues in the body, which is really gross. I didn't know this, but black mold, this is what one of the inspectors told me and also the doctor, when you research it, the, uh, the um, stachybotrys actually eats away your brain cells. So oh that's, yeah. <laughs> so that's why where a lot of the brain fog comes from is probably one of the biggest complaints of people who have either heavy metal poisoning or a fungi problem in their body is they have kind of slower cognitive um, function where they, they're just slow to think of things or remember things or that, you know, they walk into a room and be like, I can't remember what I'm doing in here and walk out again or um, just easily forgetting things that kind of slower cognitive function that you think oh perhaps i'm just getting older or what, what it's not it's actually one caused by sugar which sugar is technically poison to the body refined sugar anyway in processed foods but um yeah it it makes you your it literally eats away at your brain like your brain tissue wow mm -hmm. yeah it's it's it's, it's no bueno but I want to talk a little bit about metals and minerals because there is, as you know, I make minerals and I'm not going to try to big up my own product here, but I just want to talk about the importance of minerals for a minute. Yeah. Because, I'll, sorry, go ahead. I take your, I take your minerals every day and I actually drink quite a lot of it and I find it that it gives me a lot of energy and, um, and I feel just, not just energy, but I also feel like it helps me to think clear as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a reason. There is a science behind that. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Why um, minerals are so, so important because minerals are literally the foundation for absolutely everything within our bodies. So minerals only make up 5% of our bodies. However, that 5% controls the 95% metabolism in the rest of our body. So it is the foundation for literally everything from hormones, weight control, mood. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. if, if, if your minerals are out of balance, then it just throws everything off. Minerals are so important. And my dad talked a lot about this in his books. But dating back to the, this, the 60s, the 70s and the 80s when he would lecture and talk about how the soils are so depleted and how... Our food is depleted because of it. The food, our food is not food anymore. Yeah. There's no, there's no minerals. We, we used to eat from the soil because we were, we needed the minerals from the soil and we're not getting that anymore. And the minerals that we make, um, we have two different kinds of minerals in our formula, which uh, we have the deep sea minerals. So they, it's the aquamen, which comes from sea plant life. And then we have the plant kingdom minerals, which come from the ground. And I'm going to go over the importance of why they are, why those are important and the difference between a lot of other minerals that are on the market today, especially if they are just derived from salt, because they are actually a lot of minerals. They, they get from like salt seabeds, but they are only, focusing on one type of mineral they're actually very deficient my uncle who master formulates for everything i was on the phone with him the other day discussing one of our new formulas and then possibly a like a potent dropper type mineral that we're going to do that you can either just do it straight in your mouth if you're a gangster <laughs> um or if or you can add it to your juice or something it's not going to taste that great but it's going to be literally pure 
pure minerals. And uh, I tried a sample of it the other day. We're working on the flavor because obviously it doesn't taste that great and I don't want to add anything to it. But one of the, the core um, ingredients is fulvic acid. Now, I know I mentioned fulvic acid earlier as being something that's very powerful at removing mold. But fulvic acid actually in its natural form contains over 85% minerals. It's got so many minerals in it. It's powerful. And when, I, when we talk about minerals, fulvic acid is like, imagine the veins of the earth, okay? Imagine like the deep, deep veins of the earth of thousands or hundreds of years, thousands of years of buildup of minerals. Hmm. You've got the core, the core, core, core of um, all of that sediment. And it might sound crazy, but from dust to dust, we come from the ground. We need minerals because we're made of minerals. We literally came from the dust. We need the dust. Yeah. So, um the fulvic acid is comes from deep within the core of the earth and it's very very powerful there's a lot of new studies that are coming out about fulvic acid so we're going to be using that in the new mineral mix in the in the drink that you take now in the powder and wow. also in the um in the tincture that we're going to be making but i wanted to talk just quickly about to basically illustrate the importance of minerals a little bit more so so that we can understand just how important they are so minerals appear many times in uh the hu the human uh, genome it's called which is the genetic information contained within the dna so when we're measuring what our body is actually made up of this will blow your mind it's insane because a lot of it is metal. Wow. Aluminium, 23 million. 23 million. Excess is toxic. The antidote is the chemical element, um, yttrium, which I don't know if I'm saying that right, which is actually found in lettuce, funny enough. Uh, cobalt is 19 million, which is the central molecule of B12. It holds the DNA strands together. B12 which is another, many people have probably heard of B12. That one measures 18.8 yeah. million in oh, our DNA. Wow. Deficiency causes DNA breakages, which result in cellular mutations. So that's basically breakdowns of the cell. B12 is very, very important to take every day. Sodium is 18 million. That keeps calcium mobile. It's the main transport vehicle of nutrients from food to the liver. Lithium Lithium is 17 mineral. That's the workhorse of our emotions, basically. Silica, 17 minerals. That controls ovarian DNA, highest source in cucumber, believe it or not. Boron, 15.2 million. I hope this isn't too boring for anybody. Tell me if it is and I'll stop. Oh. I'm a geek. I love this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Boron activates vitamin D and controls 229 genes in the DNA. So boron is very, very, very important. We have it in our formulas and our vitamins. Potassium, probably heard of that. 15 million, it's necessary for proper heart function. And sodium, potassium, cellular pump. Sulfur, 12 million, essential for cartilage. Also liver detoxification. That's sulfur, wow. yeah. Chlorine. Now, when we're talking about these, 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 these things, first of all, I'm talking trace amounts. Yeah. Somebody, somebody um, sent me an email the other day and they were like, how come you have, I think it was, was it lead? How come you have lead in your formula? I'm like, we don't have lead in our formula. However, there are trace amounts of lead found in the ground and found in all foods. And by law, you're actually supposed to declare that on your label. Most people don't. Um, but we, we want to be transparent and say that there are traces of it in there. It's not harmful. It's safe for human consumption, but there is because it's naturally found in the ground. Mm. Um, so yeah, chlorine, 11 million, which is a component of stomach digestive enzymes, believe it or not, not chlorine from the swimming pool, everybody. <laughs> uh, magnesium 11 million now this is a major mineral in tumor suppressing genes so an, an antidote for phosphorus overload basically phosphorus 8 million an essential mineral for dna function but um excess will deplete magnesium stores so again it's about balance selenium lots of people probably heard of selenium it's come up uh, a lot recently 
um, for its benefits, especially with long COVID. I remember when I was doing research, I was reading that that was a really good uh, supplement to take. We have it in our minerals and we have it in our vitamins too. That one measures at 2 million in the DNA, and that's essential for stabilizing double strands of the tumor suppressing genes. The CEO for iron, copper, and zinc, this mineral also detoxifies mercury, lead, arsenic, and cadmium. So again, moving those, re- removing those heavy, heavy metals, selenium is a good one. Okay. So... Um, now then there's also things like carbon nitrogen chromium chromium is a very very important mineral that actually uh is regulates sugar in the body and works very closely with insulin so we have chromium in all of our formulas too manganese we have that's also used in the brain for memory recall essential for nerve function so again if we're suffering from anything fungal or uh or like you know metal metal what heavy metals by the way i completely forgot to say this i just want to say this now disclaimer everyone listening i am not a doctor and i'm <laughs> not giving medical advice please i have to put that out there i totally forgot to say that earlier so just disclaimer yeah <laughs> yes um, don't but, come in for us don't come for yeah yeah please <laughs> please, please i'm not a doctor um, okay, so manganese, probably heard of that one. That one's used for, again, like I said, memory recall and is essential for nerve function. Iron, we're all familiar with that one. Low levels of copper, B12, and vitamin C. It, that if you're, if you're deficient, it's probably because of those, those things. You, you're low in those, like copper and B12. B12, again, is responsible for our energy. But B12 is, is such an important component. When I went to the hematologist, when I had, so basically my neurologist did some blood work and found out I had this sticky blood disease, which was as, really as a result of my body attacking itself and creating these autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sticky blood uh, disease was called, um, what was it called cardiolipin anti-cardiolipin i think was what was on the blood on the blood test that's what they tested for but it was very very high and it puts you at a high risk for blood clots so they told me you're at a high risk for blood clots you need to be taking a baby aspirin every day and mind you i was already taking a fish oil and um cinnamon which is a natural blood thinner to yeah to, to do that which my hematologist actually told me too she said great you want to take folate and you want to take b12 and you want to take um cinnamon because those are those are all natural but then i also had a gene mutation which was the mf mfhr or something like that which is basically where you've got four strands in a gene and one of them on each leg had a mutation. The way to combat it was by taking a thousand milligrams of folate and a thousand milligrams of B12. Wow. And she went, yeah, exactly. She went into the science behind the B12 and so on. But I just wanted to say that about the B12. It's very, very important to be taking it and try to take it from a natural form, specifically foods, if we can find that. Mm-hmm. Um, copper, which is used by the DNA to form the tumor suppressing gene P53. It's also used in uh, elastin in the joints and hypothyroidism. So a deficiency in copper can cause hypothyroidism. So again, testing testing your levels is super, super important to find out which minerals you're deficient in. But taking an all encompassing mineral will will just even several times a day isn't going to hurt you. So you can, you know, boost your minerals just by doing that alone. Right. Yeah. And then I and then iodine. And what, another thing I was doing too when I was sick actually was taking uh, Himalayan salt. One because, yeah, it it really is. I found out about it I think through my doctor, but he said you want to take a certain amount of grams. Now not the not the fine salt, so not the salt that's being right. ground, but the actual whole thing, right? Before it's been cut. 
Um, and I was taking probably a quarter of a teaspoon of that several times a day because I started having shakes. You know, you probably saw those, some of those videos of those people who they had long COVID or they were suffering side effects from the vaccine. They were having tremors and things. I started to have the tremors in my hands. Artif came home one day and he made a video. My hands were shaking like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I started taking the salt and the salt really helped because at the same time I was experiencing like a dizzy, um, almost like a vertigo feeling, but it was like a dizziness. All of this, I tell you, it got bad in the end. It got really bad. The symptoms that were getting worse and worse and worse and worse, but the salt helped. My legs would be swollen. My feet would be swollen and I would need to wear compression socks, which helped a great deal as well but my blood sugar was all over the place. And so I found that the, the Himalayan salt really, really helped. And also I found out that, you know, it contains over 80 minerals. Pretty, pretty wow. interesting. Mm-hmm. And Himalayan salt actually is found in caves. I researched it and it's, there's so much, there's so much evidence out there of the flood. I'm telling you, <laughs> there is so much evidence they found it in caves in like the mountains and it had traces of ocean salt that had come through there. And it was a, it, it was wild. I was like, so at some point the ocean was going through there. Wow. When the ocean was like thousands of miles away. Wow. Yeah. But Hey, we know that's that. incredible. Yeah. I'm not boring you, am I? <laughs> No, but um, this is all very great, great information. Um, I think that one of the things I would like for us to cover is you mentioned acidity earlier and the, um, and I just think it's one of those um, other areas of health that is important for us to understand and to have balance. Can you talk about acidity for a moment? Yes. So before we wrap up, that was the last uh, topic that I wanted to to, to go over and there, now there's a lot to acidity because I mean basically fungus thrives in an an acid environment so if your body is highly acidic and our blood is 7.2 about basically we want to aim for it to be about 7.22 but a lot of things fall well below that and that keeps our body in a highly acidic state number mm. one being sugar Unfortunately, it just, so let's look at, I want to just look at a couple of things real quick and share these because this is really important for people to just grasp this. If we can look at, you know, what neutral is when you, when you consider what a neutral pH is, because we, the only reference I think a lot of us probably have is water, right? We want to buy alkaline water. Oh, it's it's an eight or a 9.5 or So, yeah, the body's natural blood should be 7.22. Basically, should be between 7.35 and 7.4. Soil, the pH of soil is found at 6.5. And cells within the body typically are found at 6.4 pH. Cancer and fungus, they both live and thrive in a pH of 5.5. So there's a fantastic book out there, which I highly recommend. I was telling you about it earlier. It's called Self-Heal by Design by Barbara O'Neill. And she is just, she's just a rock star. She's Australian. Um, she's a psychiatric nurse. She's had mm-hmm. six kids. She now runs wellness retreats all over the world and has helped people cure cancer by getting their body back into a natural, neutral state by basically understanding the role of microorganisms and how they operate in your health by dealing with the very basic things like getting your body in an alkaline state avoiding high highly acidic things detoxing from molds fungus heavy metals and um, I mean she has diets and protocols for cancer patients she is unfortunately being kind of cancelled out and really because she's helped so many people and goes against the 
Western way of treating, yeah, which obviously is illegal in the United States to treat cancer patients um, with any other method other than other than medicine, because um, you'll get in a lot of trouble if you do. And that was one of the motivations Arthur and I started the Juice Kitchen when we opened it, because we followed the Gerson therapy, and they only operate in Mexico because they can't treat cancer patients in the U.S. for those same reasons. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, and so they have their clinics. And, and I remember looking at one of their protocols, which was like something like 13 juices a day. Um, it was uh, doing coffee enemas. It was obviously no sugar, no meat, um, eating just all raw foods, no salt. There was, yeah, they had different types of protocols for different stages, but they were curing stage four cancer and they couldn't, they couldn't do that in the U.S., so um, looking at, again, back to the pH scale. So Coca-Cola, what do you think the pH of Coca-Cola is? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, one. <laughs> yeah, it's a 2.6. Wow. So That's we, crazy. Mm-hmm, it is. So when we're drinking Coca-Cola, unfortunately, we are putting our body in highly acidic state which is basically the breeding ground for disease. Now, the more we do that, the more we're feeding it and the higher the chances are of getting sick. And, um, you know, sulfuric acid, I think is at, is at a zero, basically. But even things like coffee, coffee's highly acidic, unfortunately. There are low coffees, mm -hmm. lowest, low um, alkaline coffees out there that test but for the most part, most coffee, unfortunately, is unhealthy and is acidic. Caffeine in general is as well. So it's hard to cut out. And if you're on one of her regiments, um, one of Barbara's regiments, she will tell you to cut out caffeine completely. Wow. It's not actually good for your body. Regardless of what people may say, studies yeah. show otherwise. But let's yeah. look at a couple of foods real quick that um, are good for good on the pH scale, basically. We're looking at the pH spectrum. It's re basically recommended to sort of eat 80% alkaline, 20% acid, okay? We do need some acidity in our body. So there's something called um, acid acidifying, I think it is, which basically changes when it gets in your body. So things like apple cider vinegar, for example, fish, so these are sort of getting into the moderate range, obviously wine and alcohol, highly acidic, also full of sugar. Any kind of alcohol has got sugar in it. Meats like chicken, lamb, um, ice cream, milk. These start to get into the, the higher level of um, the pH scale, basically. They're probably some of the highest. And then... And then right at the top, you've got red meat, shellfish, refined sugars, and artificial sweeteners. Even walnuts, believe it or not, are very high um, in the wow. acidic pH scale. Yeah, tobacco, cheese, bread. Um, now, the things as we come down, even legumes are considered moderate. Tomato ketchup, plain popcorn, pecans, cashew nuts, uh, pistachios. Eggs are considered low to moderate, um, but they are acid, uh, acidic. Peeled potatoes, margarine butter on the lowest scale. Tea and cocoa are considered low, and processed honey is considered low as well as cooking oil. Now, when you get to alkalizing types of foods, Low alkalizing types of foods will be things like strawberries, tomatoes, cherries, eggplant, banana, carrots, potatoes with the skin. I never peel my potatoes because that's where all the nutrients are. <laughs> Don't peel your potatoes, just wash them. Uh, oranges, turnips, soy milk. Now, there was a comment I wanted to make about soy milk because I was telling Art of this the other day. There is... There is this stigma about soy milk yeah. that it is bad for you, but it is actually one of the most powerful foods, technically a superfood, 
that you can that you can eat so long as it is not genetically modified it is organic and it is the whole soybean that you are eating right because think about it like look at the asian culture they've been eating it for thousands of years right they and they'll eat it as like dried legumes tofu soybean milk whatever and they are well known for living long healthy lives yeah and that they that's basically contributed to eating a lot of soybeans so we can we can have soy but we can make sure that we're being we're being like smart about what we're consuming that it's not genetically modified and it is organic there's two different stickers that you want to look for when you're buying buying soy is always make sure that it is organic. So mm-hmm. I just want to read this passage real quick. There has been much media coverage in the last few years warning us of the dangers of eating soy. It's been linked specifically with hormonal cancers such as breast cancer, uterine cancer, prostate cancer, and the like. There seems to be a great discrepancy between the soybean of the Orient and the soybean in developed countries. It is a fact that the soybean has the most potent anti-cancer properties of any plant or planet. Sorry, planet. uh, Sorry, of any plant on planet Earth. Mm. It is twice as high in protein as any other legume. And it contains some of the finest oils to be found in plants. The first genetically modified soybeans were planted in the United States in 1996. Today, genetically modified herbicide-resistant plants are widespread in the world's leading soybean-producing countries. When the bean is eaten, it can cause major problems, okay, when it's not organically grown and it's refined so that the isolate of the bean is used for food. Allergies to soy only began appearing after it was genetically modified. So basically... We want to make sure that we are eating the whole bean, yeah. that it's organically grown. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's great ways like tofu, um, even the milk. It's so healthy. It's so good for you. And it, it, it's an alkaline food as long as it's, you know, it's bought right. So just quickly, we'll go over a couple more and then we'll, we'll wrap it up for today's episode. Um, because I feel like I've been talking forever and I don't want to bore anybody. <laughs> but um, bananas, oranges, peas, these are all low, low uh, alkalizing foods. Olives, spelt, and then we get into moderate. So moderately alkalizing, we've got apples, kiwi fruit, pears, lima beans and lentils, almonds, Brazil nuts, herb teas, millet, quinoa, pumpkins, olive oil. Uh, papayas, grapes, bell peppers, lettuce. Lettuce is very healthy. Beans, and that's the runner bean type. Buckwheat, uh, asparagus, and then high alkalizing foods, believe it or not, lemon. Now, lemon is one of those ones that changes, right? You would think it was acidic, but it's not. It's actually very alkaline. Fresh herbs. And again, these are all the fresh herbs you can find in the fridge section at your supermarket unless you actually buy them in the pots. Those are so incredibly good for you and so incredibly good at removing mold as well because they're highly, they're highly um, alkaline. Garlic, mm-hmm. garlic cloves. Now, I was going to tell you this real quick. How we actually found Barbara O'Neill was um, finding natural, natural remedies when kids were sick because when Noah was a baby, he was really sick a lot of the time. Like, unfortunately, he got pneumonia when he was three months old, spent two nights in the hospital. And he just kept getting colds and things like that. And I wasn't able to breastfeed him. So he only had my milk up until about five weeks. And then he went to formula, which, you know, I understand food is best at the end of the day. And But I was devastated that I couldn't give him those nutrients. And I wonder if that had ever affected his immune system I'm sure it probably did because and I felt very guilty about that right I was every time he got sick I was like is this my fault because I'm not you know and I'm not shaming anybody out there who can't breastfeed because you know food is best at the end of the day this is my own yeah my own journey but um one of the things that she said to do was cut up raw onion put it in a bag and in a sock and put it underneath their feet 
and it will literally I've heard that before. Yep, and it will literally cut their um, their colds or their sicknesses time in half. And we did that, and it worked, and wow. it blew our minds. <laughs> like wow. the cough and the cold and the runny nose. And I admit I haven't done it with Asher, and I probably should have. Atif did do it with me a couple of times when I was very sick and it helped. It does smell, it is messy, but it works. And I believe it's because there's something about the underneath of the feet that absorbs. I don't, yeah. I don't understand it. Like people there say, is. yeah, you have that grounding effect when you walk around on the earth and you feel whatever. But there is something about the, the underneath of your feet. Now, it, what it does is it draws out the infection, Barbara O'Neill says. And I believe that to be true because it seemed to work. And I bring that up because I saw garlic here being highly alkalized. Another thing that she said to do was with garlic and also use garlic as, as she said, again, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, swallow the garlic bulb whole. Wow. Um, you're going to have really bad breath, but it articulates medicine and it does work for colds, wow. coughs. Things like that. We've done it. Artif and I have done it many times and it's been incredible. Uh, we've been highly surprised. Hard to get kids to do that. But <laughs> for, uh, for adults, amazing. Amazing. So that pretty much concludes it. I mean, there's broccoli, parsley, grapefruit, limes and kale. You know, they're not the most exciting of foods, but those are the types of foods that are going to be highly alkalizing that we should definitely incorporate into our diet to get overall health yeah and the thing is yeah it may not sound exciting but when you start to eat that way you actually start to crave that kind of food like we were saying earlier with um with sugar and not eating sugar you crave um foods that don't have sugar in it same thing with when you start to really eat healthy and eat um, more vegetables and fruits and um you know, the right grains and legumes and all of that, you start to crave that your body craves what you feed it, right. And so mm -hmm. if you get rid of all of the junk, your body actually craves what is good for you. And I found that to be so true. Um, so another thing to mention when you talked about um, lemons, lemons are a good way of, of, um, of alkaline, what's the proper term, getting your body balanced. <laughs> but Alkalizing, yeah alkalizing. There you go. Um, one of the things that I used to do all the time is I would drink um, a lemon, lemon water in the morning. I'd wake up and part of my morning routine was to drink lemon water and yeah. you drink, you keep the water at room temperature and then you squeeze your lemon in there. I also put kind of a little bit of cayenne pepper in there too, but um, that's just one of the, this one, you know, cheap way to to drink alkaline water is to put lemon in your water. It's fabulous too. I love it. I love it. And I do, we put it there with the minerals cause it's lemon, like mm -hmm. lemon, I guess, flavor. Well, not flavor, but it's got lemon in it. It's supposed to be lemon flavor, but we add a fresh lemon to it and it tastes so good. That's awesome. Well, I've learned so much today. I think there's so much that um, we took, we can take away from, this episode and if anything it at least gets us to start thinking about our diet what we're consuming sugar um thinking about okay you know i wonder if you know if i might have any sort of mold stuff going on or fungus you know stuff going on and you can look at your your symptoms and things that you're experiencing and and make that determination and i highly recommend i have a regular doctor but i also see a naturopath as well because if I think that there's just balance there mm -hmm. naturopath is going to check for all of the things that my regular doctor is not going to check for I mostly see my naturopath because, and I really never have to go to my regular doctor I don't get a whole lot out of that but there are things that I need to see a regular doctor for but the naturopath is checking me for everything they care for the whole body in a natural way and that's what I like and that's what I feel that we all need to mm -hmm. we all need to we, we all need to get that kind of information about our bodies, right? And mm -hmm. I think um, conventional medicine is mostly just going to treat your one symptom, right? And then oftentimes as they're treating one symptom, they're adding to your illness by prescribing all sorts of stuff. Whereas when you go to a naturopath, they look at your your you as a whole, your body as a whole, and they look at you holistically, right? And so um, 
that's me though. You know, I think that obviously there are things that you have to go to a conventional doctor for. There's many things that you have to go to conventional doctors for. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm and so grateful for that. medicine. Absolutely. 100%. Medicine is, is fantastic and wonderful. And I honestly, I believe that we need to look further as well and incorporate many different types of um, aspects of healing and using different things to heal because, you know, God made the earth. He made the plants, he made the fruits, he made all of these things to help heal us. And Western medicine is wonderful and appropriate at the right times. And I too go to both doctors. I go to my regular doctor and I go to my naturopathic doctor because I see the benefit in both. I don't discount one or discredit one or say anything negative about one or the other. I believe that there is something to be found in 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 so many different areas of medicine, including holistic and Western medicine. So definitely explore every option available, especially um, when sick, because, hey, health is everything at the end of the day. And if we're uh, we're sick, I mean, we don't really care about anything else. We just want to get well again. I speak from experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So there is that. And so I hope that you all were able to get some things, some nuggets out of today's episodes. And like I said, if anything, do some research around what we've talked about and see what the Lord is speaking to you. I do know that the Lord wants it to be well with us and for us to prosper in health is what it says in the Bible. And so seek that, you know, seek health and um, seek the Holy Spirit as to what do you need to do? What do you need to cut out, if anything? So thank you, Megan, for all of your research and for sharing all of your um, wisdom tonight for this episode, maybe nighttime, maybe morning time, depending on when you're listening to this. But but as we said earlier, we are going to have additional topics and um, around health and wellness and healing, but this is a start of it. And we're so thankful for you, Megan. We -hmm. hope that you all have an incredible rest of your week and um, we're praying for you if you have any questions about anything that Megan has shared today feel free to reach out to her Um, you can either email us or you can reach out to her on Instagram at MNB at MNB on Instagram we look forward to hearing from you all and until next time